when we're going through those times of persecution, what allows us to rejoice through those times is the big picture, thinking about the reward in heaven, being reminded that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. That what really matters, what really counts, what really is important is heaven. Ah, there's a thought to put on your refrigerator and review every single time you pass. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and I'm so glad you've joined us. We're wrapping up a message today in the book of John, the 15th chapter. And as I often do, we'll roll back just a little bit and share some of what uh, Pastor Leighton uh, talked about yesterday, summarizing verse 20. And then we'll move on. So in this group of verses, Jesus weaves the hatred of the world with his rejection, the rejection of the Father, the preponderance of evidence that he has provided in his works, and all of this done in the foreknowledge of God. So let's break it down into smaller bite-sized pieces. Verse 21, But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Because of my name. In the Olivet Discourse, he said, They will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. So suffering for the name of Jesus is a theme that is repeated often in the scriptures. Because they did not know him who sent me. And here Jesus references a double causation, the two reasons. First, because the disciples belong to Jesus. And secondly, because they don't know the one who sent Jesus. Romans 8 says that the mind of the flesh is hostile towards God, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Colossians tells us that unbelievers are alienated and hostile in mind. They're hostile towards God. They're enemies of God. Romans 1 tells us they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And even though they know God, they don't honor Him as God or give thanks, but are futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart is darkened. Therefore, in judgment, God gave them over the lust of their heart to impurity, degrading passions, and to, to a depraved mind. It goes on, it says that what is known about God is evident within Him, for God has made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse. And yet they don't know Him, because they don't want to know Him. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Now the idea here is not that that if Jesus had not come or spoken, that these people would have continued in sinless perfection. That's not what he's saying. He's not suggesting that Jesus coming for the first time introduced sin and guilt. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that by his coming and speaking to them and doing works that no one else had done, miracles that had been not seen in the history of the world, yet in spite of all of this, they had rejected him. And the scriptures talk about a a relationship between knowledge and privilege and responsibility. In Luke 12, we find the, the, the verse, to whom much is given, much is required. And they had been given much. Because up until this time, up until Jesus came, men had never had the opportunity to know God. 
And Jesus came, claimed to be God, did works to prove that he was who he claimed to be, and nonetheless was rejected. And their rejection was immense, and their responsibility was immense. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. In the previous verses, the Lord has shown that the principal reason why the world hates his disciples is because of their oneness with himself. And now he shows why the world hated him, and that's because of his oneness with the Father. See, Christ revealed the Father. He was the express image of the Father. In him, all the fullness of deity of God dwelt. And to dislike him was to dislike God. To reject him was to reject God. It was the most fearful act, one clearly revealed in Scripture, that men in their natural state are haters of God. Their minds are at enmity against God. And it's this hatred which causes people to reject Christ and to reject Christians. Verse 24, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and and the Father. And and this here is a re-emphasis of what Jesus has stated in the preceding verses. And here the verbs are in the perfect tense, which indicates a permanent attitude. And here Jesus mentions that they've seen me and they've seen the Father. In just the previous chapter, Jesus had said to his disciples, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you, Jesus was saying, if you look at me and you don't like me, you're not going to like the Father because he looks just like me. And he says here, he doesn't speak of the Father, he speaks of my Father. Verse 25, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. The word that is written in their law. Jesus here is quoting from two Davidic Psalms, Psalms 35 and Psalm 69. And his point here is that if David, who was a mere man, could be so incredibly hated by his enemy, how much more so the Son of God? It was written that they would reject, that they would hate him. So what Jesus is saying here is this is not a surprise. It's not a surprise to me. It's not a surprise to God. This doesn't change the redemptive plan. God's purposes will be fulfilled. So why did they hate him? Well, there was nothing really in Jesus to provoke hatred. There was nothing in his character. He was faultless. There was nothing in his doctrines. They were true. There was nothing in his laws. They were holy and just. There was nothing in his actions. He never hurt anyone. He went healing and raising people from the dead and bestowing favors on men. But why did they hate him? Why did they persecute him? They, they, they hated him without justifiable cause. The world hates Christ's followers because he, it hates Christ. And it hates Christ because it hates God the Father. And that hatred culminated in taking Jesus to a cross. But what they intended for evil, God intended for good. 
Because it was on the cross that Jesus paid the wages of our sin. So that we could come into the presence of holy God. As though we had never sinned. Through Christ. Our Savior and Lord. Jesus was telling us that we should expect rejection. If we're really living like Jesus, then we're not going to be popular with everybody. Now, we as people want to be popular. We want everybody to love us. That's just the way we're wired. Folks, if everybody loves you, there's something wrong. You know, sometimes a new believer will come in and they're so excited that they've seen Jesus, they've met Jesus, they've been saved by Jesus. They're so in love with Jesus. They're so excited about sharing Jesus with their family and friends, and yet they get rejected. And that can cause confusion. And they say, well, man, if I could just be a little more like Jesus, that'd fix the problem. No, that's not going to fix the problem. The more you're like Jesus, the more you're going to be rejected. We should expect to be rejected by those in the world. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you and others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. When we're in the middle of persecution, we're to rejoice and be glad. Why? And how? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. Your reward is in heaven is great. When we're going through those times of persecution, what allows us to rejoice through those times is the big picture. Thinking about the reward in heaven. Being reminded that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. That what really matters, what really counts, what really is important is heaven. You remember a few weeks ago talking about Jesus But for the joy set before him endured the cross. What joy? The joy at the far end of the travel, beyond the cross, beyond the grave, beyond the resurrection. But for the joy set before him. Jesus kept the big picture. When we need to go through times, we need to keep the big picture. Now those of us who are paying attention to global and national news think... That persecution may be coming soon, very soon. So if that happens, then we as a church family and as churches across America that read the scriptures need to be reminded of what we need to do in going through that persecution. And we need to really Fulfill the command of Jesus Christ to love each other because we're really going to need each other. Amen.
Amen. And with that, we bring to a conclusion this message from Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on a broadcast we call Study Verse by Verse. And he will move on in the book of John when we come back with the next broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. This outreach is on the web at highlands.us. And as I was listening to Pastor Layton, I was reminded of another ministry that they have at Church of the Highlands. It's called Highlands Christian Schools, and it's been in existence since 1966. You can access the website for Highlands Christian Schools through highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a great rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we'll continue to study the Word of God verse by verse.